Hey, everybody, this is Rob from Local Tri-Vibe. Uh, today I've got Ashley Anderson on the phone uh, with us today for the, for the podcast. But before we get started, I want to tell you about In-N-Out Express Care. They are sponsoring today's podcast. In-N-Out Express Care is an award-winning, locally-owned, urgent care center with four locations in Hampton, Newport News, Virginia Beach, and Chesapeake. And I know from personal experience that they are absolutely endurance athlete friendly. So, Ashley, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I got my run in this morning and my swim super early, just crawled out of the shower, so I'm really glad this is um, a phone discussion podcast and not an interview um, where you can see my face. <laughs> so this is COVID. For, uh, for those listening, this is uh, we're right smack dab in the middle of COVID. Um, where do you swim? Like, are you in a pool now or are you swimming in open water? So that's, a, that's an interesting question. Um, right now I am back in the pool, but uh, when we had the big chlorine hiatus because of COVID back in March, um, I needed to find a place to keep my swim training um, still going. My, my training centers quite a bit around high-volume swim uh, and lots of cycling because of some issues with run injuries in the past. And so we, we maintain my cardiovascular fitness with a lot of swimming. So swimming is important. Um, so I was able to uh, get in contact with a friend of mine who swims out at Lake Christopher in Virginia Beach. Um, so between the months of March uh, all the way up until now, I still do a combo now that the pools are open of open water and pool swimming. Um, but I've I've totaled, I've lost count now, but somewhere close to over 100,000 yards of open water swimming and whatever the mileage equivalent is, uh, of that is. And so basically spent these past few months going out there about three to four times a week, uh, logging anything from 2,000 to 5,000 yards. So um, I think wow. the open water is extremely humbling when you're used to swimming in a pool, but it's, it's been a good mix. I've been very blessed to be able to maintain my swim during this time. Very cool. Well, listen, let's back up. Tell me, um, like, people aren't born triathletes. They, have a, they typically have one sport that they're into, and they kind of fall into it. But um, So what, was, what does your journey look like? How did it start? Um, it's an interesting one. So I grew up. Uh, my family's pretty active. My, I'm the youngest of three kids. My brother was a three-sport athlete, um, and my folks are fairly active. Um, <clears throat> but I grew up playing basketball, you know, the stereotypical kid sports, uh, Saturday morning soccer. Um, I swam for local Y for like a summer, like every eight-year-old in my neighborhood. Um, but basketball was kind of my main sport, and then I showed horses competitively, shoot, um, <clears throat> from around the age of seven up until my junior year of college, um, showed more or less on a, on a national circuit for quite some time, um, but was not into endurance sports. I ran for fun, uh, but not mm-hmm. obviously in the capacity that I do now. So um, when I started uh, applying to dental school and college and um, reverse those two, uh, my, my horseback riding time decreased, so I needed to find something to continue to stay active. So I got into running, again, you know, campus 5Ks, nothing major uh, in college. Um, I ran my first half, uh, the Richmond half, while I was in dental school uh, and went sub two with, 
with very little training. So I was like, oh, maybe we'll stick with this. So I kept running um, through, through dental school, um, and then I moved to Charleston, South Carolina for my residency. Um, and the triathlon community is, is very prevalent there. Um, and so I decided to, uh, pun totally intended, give it a shot, give it a try. Um, I was yeah. I was injured quite a bit with running, as I'm sure you can relate to. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, maybe doing like the multi-sport thing will, will be good for me. Um, and so I, I literally walked into the local shop there um, in the fall slash early, late, late summer of um, 2017 and just said, I can kind of run. Um, I can't. You know, I'm I'm a decent swimmer. I mean, aka I don't drown when I go in the water, um, and I can kind of ride a bike. And so it was a way, more or less, for me to to get plugged into the community down there. And then, as you know, it's a slippery slope, and and I've stuck with it. And now here we are. So it's more or less um, been a great way for me over the course of my schooling uh, and moving from place to place to get involved in the community and meet various people, um, especially through my team, Team Zoot. Um, and uh, we're, we're still rolling. I still love it. have a great passion for it. So I want to back up also because you, you threw a couple of words out there just as if it was like, yeah, we all do this. You know what I mean? You're, you had a residency. You went to dental school. So it's not like you mm-hmm. have a non-demanding punch a clock, <laughs> punch out. You can sneak out for lunch. You, you don't. You have a very demanding schedule. How do you, like, even like now you're you're in your profession, but you when you're studying to become a profet a professional uh, dentist or dentist, it's it's even less time I would imagine. So how did you squeeze all that in there? What does that look like? Um, some say I don't sleep. Uh, <laughs> that is false. I do sleep, uh, but a lot of early mornings. Uh, I've always been somewhat of an early bird um, throughout the majority of my life. Uh, that is my quiet time. That is my my moment of peace before the day hits. Um, that was when I used to get a lot of studying done too um, throughout college and, and dental school and residency. Uh, so my hours of operation usually start, I wake up around 4 o'clock in the morning um, and I squeeze in my training before uh, heading to clinic when I was in residency, sometimes before the OR. Um, and you just, it's like anything, you know, if you do it often enough, uh, it becomes a habit. And so that's that's usually how I get things in. Oftentimes, and especially now, uh, training for, fingers crossed, uh, Ironman Chattanooga in September, sometimes I'll have double workouts, and that entails, you know, obviously fitting things in after clinic. But it's just finding little pockets in my day uh, on either side of, of my main hustle, and that is being a pediatric dentist, um, you know, to get things in. I do a lot of high volume on weekends, um, sometimes two-a-days during the week, but lots of early mornings for me. Um, and then to, to compensate, I go to bed pretty early. My friends uh, will joke and, and tell you that my party ends at 9 p.m. 9 p.m. we are done. I am headed to bed um, right. in order to, to compensate for those early mornings. Um, so, so let me so get this that, right. You're up at 4. You have a, um, you know, whatever workout you've got. You have your 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 professional life, 
Um, and sometimes you do two a day, so that means you can come home and, and work out. So, um, right. yeah, so talk to me about human interaction relationships. How, <laughs> where, where and how do you fit in a relationship, if at all? Because, you know, it, it takes time. It takes energy. Sure. So I am 100% a people person, and so maintaining relationships, be it friendships, romantic relationships, um, my relationship with my cat, um, you know, that's all very important to me. Family time is vital uh, to me. So, again, car, if it's important, like my main, I guess if you, if you want to call it a, a mantra, is if it's important to you, you make time for it. And so that applies mm-hmm. to training. It applies to, to relationships, too. Um, so I'm fortunate now uh, to finally live back in my home state after, in home, hometown more or less, uh, after being out of the area for the last uh, 10 years or so. So my family is all in Suffolk except for my sister. She lives in Richmond. So I get to see them pretty regularly. Um, I do a lot of my long rides out, on, uh, out in Suffolk or Smithfield. So I'll swing by home, say hi to mom. Uh, and head back to the Norfolk area where I live. Um, mm-hmm. My job, obviously, I'm, I'm with people. I'm with parents. I'm with little kids uh, all day long. And so, you know, that is exhausting sometimes, but it's also energizing, too, working with kids. Um, I love adults, but uh, never a dull moment when you're working with a child, uh, for better or for worse. And so, you know, you feed off of, the opportunity, I think, to make a positive impact uh, in someone's life from a medical standpoint um, or, or a dental standpoint, rather. Um, sure. Sure. And those, those sorts of relationships with my patients kind of give me that ex- extra boost sometimes in the afternoon when I don't want to hit my two-a-day or, you know, when it's Friday yeah. night and I know I have to get up early. I'm like, I've got uh, some motivation from those interactions that I've had with, with the various people that I come into contact with in my job. Sure. Well, tell me, um, it sounds like you um, very early on got a coach um, for your triathlon. Did you keep that? Do you maintain it? How does that work? Did you get to a point where you switched coaches, or or how do you approach a coaching situation? No. um, Greg, my coach, Greg Gersicki, he's down in Savannah, Georgia. We have been in a long-term coaching relationship. Uh, since I started, uh, you're exactly right. When I decided to dive into this sport in 2017, um, I reached out to Greg. He and I uh, knew each other at Wake Forest where I did my undergrad. He was in uh, the master's program in health and exercise science, and I was an undergrad in the same department. And so I knew um, that he was very much an endurance athlete, very talented cyclist, um, and an Ironman, and so I reached out to him uh, right before Christmas time in uh, 2017 and said, hey, I bought a road bike. Um, I really want to get involved in triathlon. Do you coach? And he emailed back and said that he did, and he said uh, that he would coach me up as a trial run for a half uh, marathon that I was scheduled to to run in January of that upcoming year, January 2018. And so mm-hmm. he coached me up. Um, I PR'd by 13 minutes, uh, <laughs> finished in like wow. an hour, an hour and 34 and some change, uh, just under mm-hmm. an hour and 35. 
And so I decided, hmm, we should probably keep Greg. So uh, he's coached me since. Um, and so we maintain that. Uh, it's all virtual uh, with, with us being long distance. So training peaks, of course, my Garmin metric data, and checking in with them pretty frequently, um, maybe too frequently sometimes. He's got a new baby, so he's very busy. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, so, so I've, I've um, wor been working with Greg for, for the last few years or so. Um, new to the game, though, is my strength coach, Deron Flood. Uh, he's with Fitness First Training Services here in Norfolk. Um, <clears throat> but when I moved back to Virginia, uh, Greg thought it would be a good idea for me to incorporate some structured strength and conditioning work in my training, especially mm -hmm. to help me get over the hump of some of my running injuries that I had acquired while in Charleston. And so I meet with Deron two days a week, um, and we do full body strength and conditioning. Uh, and that has made the biggest difference in my performance from a uh, mobility standpoint, an agility standpoint, and also an injury prevention standpoint. It's just, it's, it's that's one take-home point uh, for anybody listening is, you know, you don't necessarily have to have a coach, but maintaining some form of strength and conditioning program to your training is, is key to longevity in any sort of endurance sport, or any sport for that matter. Sure. So that's, that's cool. my coaching coaching realm. Nice. Uh, and, and I um, I know Darren. Um, I don't know your other coach. Obviously, he's in South Carolina, but I'm um, great guys. Um, when you find a good one, you just got to not let go. That's all there is to it. But So when you get into this, um, I know that I've had my um, my my uh, newbie mo moments. Um, tell me about some of the, uh, the, the fun mistakes or the, you know, the, the things that you've learned getting into this, because there's a steep learning curve when you get into triathlon. Yeah. Uh, so, best story. Well, there are a lot of good like face palm moments in my journey because I'm still extremely, extremely new to the sport. Um, I've only been racing triathlon for about four years now, and and given my start in the sport in the middle of a residency program, I was quite limited with what I could do in terms of racing and and travel and whatnot. So. Fortunately, Charleston uh, had a great five-race sprint series, local sprint series, every summer. And so I signed up to do two of those my very first year racing. Uh, my first race, I survived the swim. I stayed on my bike, and I was so excited uh, on the run that if anybody – from, from Charleston is that listening, um, they're probably laughing at this point, but the path on the run split, and I ran the wrong direction. Uh, I ended up running longer and farther uh, and still placing in my age group. I think I was, like, second. Um, but anyway, I was disqualified for running off course, um, wow. air quotes. <laughs> so right. it was a great lesson in, you know, in the future, maybe going and scoping out the course, especially for longer distance races, uh, and, mm -hmm. and also, like, never taking yourself too seriously. I mean, I, I'm always reminded of that moment, like, now, 
before any any race, be it a sprint or my last race was in Augusta, as a half iron. But if I need like a quick laugh to just shake off nerves, I think about running the wrong direction in that race. Um, so that was my first kind of laughable moment. Um, and then, like I said, of course, there have been numerous other uh, hiccups. But the second race that year, I was determined to redeem myself. Uh, and so it had rained that early morning, and the, obviously the roads were quite slick. And I, I did well on the swim. I came out, got on the bike, and uh, not long after starting the bike, I took a turn a little bit too quickly. There was some loose gravel and, like I said, slick roads. So I flew off my bike uh, at 20-ish miles an hour um, and, and had quite a number of soft tissue injuries. I knocked the chain off my bike. Um, and also, you know, like any, any triathlete, your first concern is, oh, my God, is my bike okay? So I got up. <laughs> my kit was still intact. I was bleeding. It was nasty. Um, I put the chain on the bike and um, got back on and finished the race. Uh, I was a little bit nervous about getting disqualified for having, like, open wounds and running next to other people, but I kept going until I, until I crossed the finish line. Um, I think I still placed for my age group, uh, and I thought I just had a number of soft tissue injuries, but I ended up uh, finding out that I had pretty significant injuries after the fact. Um, I fractured part of my pelvis. I tore the labrum wow. in my hip. Um, wow. And I had a lot of soft tissue. Uh, I had a big hematoma on my landing side and a lot of road rash. Um, <clears throat> and I say all this because uh, at the time and after the accident, I was, I was pretty, pretty much knocked on my butt for a while couldn't run, uh, couldn't cycle for quite some time. Uh, and the only thing I could do pain-free and once my injuries healed was swim. Uh, and I have very little swim background, but I determined during that time if this is the only thing I can do, then why not try to get good at it? So I YouTubed and, and got some help and ended up becoming a pretty strong swimmer. Um, and since then, we've had a lot of uh, post-accident repercussions, um, my journey back to run health has been uh, a lengthy one and a bit touch and go. Um, but the, the take-home point is, you know, always get back up, always keep going. Um, you know, your, your get back ups and your fall downs, um, as long as your get back ups outnumber your fall downs, you're doing all right. Um, be it a sprint, be it a half iron, be it a full iron, be it a X try, what have you. Like we all have those moments where we're sidelined, sure. where we're where we're slammed on our butt. And I think coronavirus is a huge slam on the butt for all of us. And oh, yeah. I think that you know you grow a lot in terms of your mental toughness and your your resolve and how you are able to make the most of your situation and your training and, and get back up and keep going and finish your, your respective race, whatever that may be, you know, 100%. metaphorically and, and literally. Sure. Sure. Well, a lot of people have, um, you know, there's a lot of swimmers out there. There's a lot of uh, pool swimmers, uh, square box swimmers. Um, and that 
foray, that transition from um, the concrete box to the open water is traumatic for a lot of people. What was your transition from pool to open water like? That's an interesting question. Um, I'd like to think that it was a fairly smooth one. Uh, the, the sprint series that we did in Charleston was literally in a dog park pond. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there's there's that whole, I think swimming in open water, it's, it's a huge head game. Um, and so in that particular instance, it was like, ooh, what am I swimming in? Uh, but a couple of the other races that I did while down there were, were in the, the ocean. Uh, so, you know, a little bit more intimidating, I guess. Um, and so I guess in my mind, I don't, it's a body of water. I don't look at it any differently. I have to get from point A to point B relatively quickly. Um, and you know, I have to to look at it that way and just put one arm in front of the other and kick my feet just like I do in the pool. Um, you know, your mm -hmm. technique alters a little bit. Uh, you have to sight, obviously, out in the open water. Uh, but I think the biggest, the biggest thing with, with going from the pool to the open water is just keeping your mind at peace. I think there is sure. a lot of anxiety around the swim, be it from an ability standpoint or where you're swimming or a water condition standpoint. And if you put your, your brain in a state of, I can do this, it doesn't matter what the conditions are. The, the, the body movements are the exact same. Um, and just have that sense of inner peace and confidence. You'll get from point A to point B, hopefully relatively quickly. Yeah, and, and I couldn't agree more with you in that sense. Now, there are going to be people who listen to this who are like, okay, yes, I get it. It's just not that easy. <laughs> I mean, I was literally yeah. having a conversation 10 minutes before this with somebody asking me, how do you swim in open water? I just can't get past it. So you, you nailed what you have to do. And so the funny thing is there's, there's two types of people. There's you and, and um, then there's the people who have massive barriers that they've got to get through and continue to get right. through. It seems like some people do triathlon but they just can't get to the swim fast enough, not because they're great swimmers, just because they hate being, they hate that leg, but they've got to do it to get through. But it you, doesn't seem like, it seems like you transitioned very smoothly, was not an issue. And you're saying all the things that I think in my head, it's headspace. It's just headspace. You got to get through it. It's a, you gotta, you gotta, and even I think too, like pool swimming, like I, I did a race, uh, down at Paris Island, um, and it was a pool swim. And I can tell you, like, the first 200 meters of that swim, I was, like, gasping for air. And I was, I was like, girl, you are in the middle of a, of a pool. Like, get your mind right. And it was all headspace. I was nervous. Um, mm -hmm. And once that mental aspect of, of the swim or just race day in general gets a hold of you, it's a fight to let it let go so you can get that headspace clear and keep going. I, I survived, but I'm like, what is your problem? You survived the open water, and yet you're, like, half drowning right now. Um, <laughs> so, right. yeah, I, I, I think a big, a big component is, is the headspace um, for this one. And, and I think that, um, you know, I, I've never heard anybody talk about their technique to get out of that panic situation. 
I've had my own panic uh, in open water when I was way qualified, way um, my fitness was there. But that's what you have to prepare for because if you don't, nothing else matters. Like you better have a plan to deal with whatever, whether it's a thought, whether it's a place that you go, whether it's a breathing technique, you better have a way to handle it or else you're mentally done, like you're done. Like when you say to yourself, you got to have these hard conversations like, get over it. You've done this. You've been there. Settle down. You know, you have to have these tough conversations with yourself versus buying into it because at that point it's just a downward spiral in my opinion. Right. You know. Right. Cool. So you have, um, you've done some pretty cool things. You've, uh, you have um, your own personal journey that's, um, that has all the points on it. Is your coaching, your, uh, your setbacks, um, getting back up and, and going uh, full bore and figuring out a way around it. Because again, if you're going to continue in this sport, at some point you've got to get over an injury. You're, it's going to happen. Well, yeah. It doesn't look, I'm not, wishing that on anybody i'm saying if you're really training if you're really pushing you're going to you're going to if you're going to push your limits the way you find out your limits is when you get injured or when you when you when you do that so then you back off you retool and you go forward what does forward look like for you what does the future look like for your triathlon um, experience Sure. Uh, I think that's a great question for all of us right now. Uh, and, and obviously a, a big question is, are we going to race again and when? Um, so as far as looking forward, um, you know, right now I do technically still have a race on the calendar for 2020 at Ironman Chattanooga. Uh, the end of September, but like a lot of things this year, uh, it's up in the air. Uh, so, you know, different scenarios to close out 2020, um, just continue to train strong if the race gets canceled. Um, you know, I think all of this virus and shutdown and race cancellations has, has proven to me how much I enjoy just the process. I love training. I love daily setting different goals within a workout or within a volume week and saying, let's see what my body can do. Okay, it can do this. Let's see if it can do this. Um, and that's what's kept me sane uh, in the present day and, and helped me focus forward on the future, whatever that future looks like. Um, you know, if Chattanooga happens, obviously, you know, that's, that's part of the future too. Um, moving forward, uh, I'd like to have a really great 2021 since a lot of my races mm-hmm. have been deferred uh, to next year. Um, you know, continuing to be a part of Team Zoot, uh, I, ha- I can't say enough good things about uh, my involvement with the team. I've met some wonderful friends and have developed some great friendships through local athletes with the team. Um, you know, continuing my affiliations uh, and 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 networking with uh, and excuse me, I can't talk. Uh, my nutrition uh, group, uh, Goo Energy Labs, continuing to to be an ambassador for Salty Squad, and of course uh, with Bike Law, the cycling advocacy group that I'm involved in as well. You know, so keeping that community, uh, since the community, continuing to build relationships within the sport. Um, I think you asked me in in conversation uh, last week uh, when we chatted about wanting to to 
race on the elite level. And, you know, I, right now I just want to get back to, to 100% health uh, in all mm-hmm. three components of the sport. Sure. Um, and if, if that entails, you know, eventually working towards an elite level type racing schedule, great. Um, but I also have to keep in mind that this is something that I do for fun and this is something that I right. choose to do. And so I want to keep that at the heart of, of my training and my racing. And, um, you know, ultimately I think we all would like to go to Kona one day. <laughs> um, so, so that's certainly way far in the future. But right now I'm just enjoying the process and the day-by-day and, and continuing to grow stronger and improve and, and getting my specifically getting my run back to, to full steam. Well, listen, I, um, I know you have a lot on your schedule. I appreciate uh, the time you've given today. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch your journey as we move forward and, uh, and see what that story looks like. I think that um, every story that I hear has so much – it has movie potential. It really does with the setbacks and the comebacks and the, the sheer determination. And I, I love 4 o'clock in the morning because that's when people are, are really – um, committed to, to reaching their goals. So, um, again, thank right. you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right. And maybe we'll talk to you again once the season, uh, once the season gets going, okay? Awesome. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.